0: Well, I've not fired up a single fountain, um, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not going to now. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. A, I don't it's think too cold for I was out. having a good. T- I was having a really good day before we had this segment. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, mean, I just can't, I can't help but agree with what you said, Adam. It's just I don't. I think you hit the nail on of the head with saying that they need to. I don't even know if hitting rock bottom would help (laughs) this situation in the front office.
2: You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans.
0: Hello and welcome to another installment of Affected by Altitude. I am Ben Kuchnerkevich, your co-host and staff writer at Purple Row, and joined by my co-host, editor at Purple Row, Sam Bradfield. How are you doing, Sam?
1: Doing well, Ben. How are you?
0: I am very well, especially because we get to record on All Hallows Eve. Um, It's almost November, and the World Series is over. Adam, how do you feel about the World Series? Adam Peterson's also with us. He's another editor at Verbal Row.
2: I feel like we had five, well, four and a half, like, really boring games. It looked like we were going to get, like, the most dull six or seven game series ever. But then the, the two last two games in Houston didn't disappoint, so I am uh, I'm pretty happy. And uh, you know, based on the teams on the field, I was you know I was a coin flip between who I preferred to win. But I'm glad that the Nationals got their first uh, title. I always like seeing the underdogs win.
1: Yeah, I have some family in D.C. So they were like posting there. I've been in D.C. for so many years and saw, you know, the senators were here and then they left. And so many times MLB was like, you're going to get a team. And then they like never followed through until, you know, the early 2000s. And then they got I have my uncle and his brother are on their 30 ballpark tour and they get season tickets to the Nationals and they're just so excited. (laughs) So.
0: It's weird. It's, it was a seven game series, but it didn't like, so you feel like it should be back and forth intense, but it was really, I guess that's what happens when the road team wins every game because you have these first two games that are really in favor of the nationals and then three in the Astros favor and then back to the nationals. Well the last game seven was a little bit more close.
2: Well, game one was good too, but like it was one of those ones where the nationals won and they took the lead and then the Astros chipped away. So those last couple innings of game one were were fun and uh you know the final score for game six and seven doesn't look like the games were intense but like the nationals scored all those runs in both games in the later innings except for one game in the one run in the first in game six but yeah but yeah the games two through five were real plunkers so I'm glad we got seven games I'm glad we got seven good games and I'm glad that uh that's going to be the narrative rather than uh Umpires' calls and a guy getting hit in the gut with a home run ball and getting sponsored by Bud Light and whatever. So,
0: but now's the only <laughs>
1: Um
0: On the day of game seven, the Rockies made some moves, and you thought you weren't supposed to make any huge moves before the World Series was over, but the Rockies did. Uh, how about those moves, Sam?
1: Yeah, the Rockies made a quintet of roster moves. So they what they did was they um let's see, they outrighted Tim Melville to Albuquerque. And then Chad Bettis, they also outrighted, but he he cleared waivers and has elected free agency. And then Tyler Anderson was claimed off waivers by the San Francisco Giants. Um, Sam Howard was claimed off waivers by the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then Pat Valeca, Patty barrels is headed to Baltimore on waivers. So kind of a yeah, huge flurry of roster moves yesterday. Um on a very snowy day in Denver. <laughs> so yeah. Well let's not yeah. let's not forget the most important
2: actually- transaction, and that is that uh Julian from At Rockies traded in his I was just gonna
1: think about that. His, uh, <laughs>
2: his comfortable office for some wet jorts by falling face first into the snow. And Dick Monfort traded And Dick
1: Monfort joined it. Yeah, in. <laughs> traded
2: being warm for being cold by doing making Snow Angel in the snow. So I mean, give yeah. him credit for following through like I mean they asked for five thousand two hundred and eighty oh, yeah. retweets and they got something like fourteen thousand. Like, come on guys. <laughs>
1: something like that. Yeah. Julian actually tweeted out kind of the story of how that came came to be um, let me see if I can find it super quick. Cause it was kind of funny. Cause he's uh, an intern, uh, right? Like an intern bed.
2: did it more or less when he wasn't looking like.
1: No, it was, they were like spitballing ideas on, t- uh, like how to, okay. He says, um, so we're sitting in the office debating whether or not to, uh, to take the low hanging fruit that is weather content. Um, when Nicole and Tony, the interns throw out this wild idea, the boss is just meant to be me. Julian tweeted by quote, the interns face down to protect my identity. Jorts because jorts our owner who is absolutely awesome catches wind of the shenanigans and emails me. I'm in for the snow angels. (laughs) We set a time, met in the dugout, make the angels, create the hashtag content and carry on with our days. It was a fun, it was fun and made people happy. That's why we did it. And then he's got a picture of him in the jorts and the purple sweatshirt and the ski goggles and the, uh, you know, the chains with flexing is pretty great. <laughs> Julian's yeah. awesome.
2: Julian, So I feel like people who know, the, who's behind at Rockies fall over themselves to get the, give Julian and his team credit. And even still, I don't think they get enough credit. They just do such a great job.
1: Yeah, they, they really do. Definitely one of the best Twitter feeds in sports. So we're number one um,
2: in something.
0: Yeah.
1: Woo! Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, with all those moves, I'll be honest and say, I. I didn't know how it all worked out, how these like minor league, uh, minor league deals and then free agency works out. And Sage really cleared it up yeah. in the comments can, can, for can me. Can you sum that up? Because um,
2: Tim Melville's whole situation was really confusing to me, too.
0: So I'll use Chad Bettis, Tim Melville, and Chi Chi Gonzalez and compare their three situations. So, I mean, I saw Chad Bettis... Rejected the outright assignment and elected free agency. So then I wondered, so then I see Tim Melville is outrighted to AAA. So, well, he must have accepted his outright then. So then, but he's still going to be a minor league free agent, which I didn't understand. But then Chi Chi Gonzalez, who signed a minor league deal, is still on the 40 man roster. So he is technically still like just accruing service time, like a player would after they're called up. So he's going to be like eligible for arbitration in 2021, 20, 22. If for some reason, the Rockies keep him on the 40 man throughout the whole 2020 season. Don't hold your breath um, Chichi. So I guess it's basically like, I don't know the, when the, when the minor league, when the contract is purchased from the minor leagues, such as Melville and Chichi who were signed to minor league deals, a major league contract replaces it and then so that's what happens there so tim melville is outrighted off the 40-man roster and he's going to be a minor league free agent and then chichi gonzalez as of right now is still on the 40-man roster so he's just going to continue being on the major league roster unless a move is made and it doesn't necessarily have to be designated for assignment they can waive him as was done with tom murphy last offseason he was just waived and not dfa'd Mm-hmm. so yeah yeah that i guess is how that all works
2: so here's a question like if tom murphy is our you know example here is tyler Anderson going to get picked up by the Giants and then traded to the mariners and then you know put up a uh like 120 era plus for the mariners uh this year is it like i know the pass isn't always prelude but like let's be honest we're all expecting something like that to happen right
0: well, I'm. I think I'll stay on the Giants and be good personally, but we'll see.
2: <laughs> yeah, who of of those five? Which one surprised you guys most?
0: Probably Anderson for me.
1: Yeah, I think Anderson for me as well. Yeah, because like the rest of them, I expected Chad Bettis, Tim Melville. I wasn't necessarily surprised by, nor was I with Sam Howard. Um, I can't say. Yeah, I can't say I expected Veleka, but um. At the same time, wasn't very surprised. So yeah, I, I definitely think Anderson was my big, big surprise. Well,
0: I guess there was the news that came out a couple of weeks ago about that Anderson and Bettis likely to be non-tendered. But I mean, obviously now that's not a not a factor anymore. Um, so I guess it was less surprising because of that. But I mean, I did, I honestly did expect Vlaka to be back next year. So I guess that was a bit surprising too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like it's a tie between Anderson and Vlaka for me. Um, cause, cause I had that, you know, that report in the back of my mind too, that Anderson and Bettis could get non-tendered. Um, and so when I saw, well, they are claimed off waivers, uh, you know, I want, you know, I will say like good for Tyler Anderson that he, like someone wanted him. Like that's why waivers exist. So that guys who are major league caliber or like on the, you know, on the, on the fence or whatever can find teams that want them. And so, like, so good for Tyler Anderson. Like, I think that's great. Um, he's he's a West Coast person, right? Like, you know, he went to University of Oregon. Um, Bettis, like, I almost feel bad, man, because like he cleared waivers. Like, like the Rockies, produced, but yeah, we got a Chad Bettis here. Does anyone want him? And people are like, Nah, I'm good. Uh, so,
1: which is. Kind of surprising because, I mean, like you said, Bettis, is, or, you know, Bettis is kind of, he's major league caliber. He's proven himself. He's kind of like Anderson where he's been a little all over the place, but he's still not awful, you know? He's not one where you're sitting on pins and needles waiting for him to get three right, outs.
2: Right. Well, and there's, I, I've read something. It was either in relation to this, uh, Nick Rokes article. So it was either in relation to this transaction or him predicting um like he did a little project prediction column of who would be off the 40 man um and he talked about how chad bettis went to the bullpen like looking to pull a- pull away davis and chad bettis tried to pull away davis in like transitioning from starter to bullpen and like moving towards the back end but then chris russon was terrible and uh you know they needed bettis to be that long reliever type and he wasn't terrible in that role like he wasn't even worse than anyone else um so i I feel like someone would have been able to find something there seen something in bettis but like you know i get it like you know he's getting old he's got an injury history that's um you know that goes beyond just you know beating cancer twice um so yeah i think i think i fully expected valeka to be in the organization next year um i'm actually his was the one i was most relieved to see because now it's just a toy that um you know bud black doesn't get to play with kind of like his you know, his shiny old Alexia Marista from his first year here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tyler Anderson, I also get like, you know, he's been injured. And like, it makes me think like maybe the Rockies are know something about his knee and how he's recovering from that than than anyone else. And so but that being said, I fully expect San Francisco to turn him into a solid number three. Uh, he can join uh, Drew Pomeranz is over with San Francisco now, isn't he?
0: I think he's a free agent now, but uh, I think he oh, okay. he got traded to the Brewers too. I think.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say maybe maybe Jordan Lyles, Drew Pomeranz, and Tyler Anderson can make a super former Rockies rotation somewhere and just terrorize us uh, till kingdom come. So it's
0: unfortunate to have to give up Anderson for I mean for really nothing though because I mean there there is still yeah. a lot of potential there I think if he can try to figure out how to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: that's why I think like, I mean, we've established that the Rockies don't necessarily deserve the benefit of the doubt uh, when they're making these roster moves, but, but his is one where, you know, they they've clearly liked him and they've clearly given him every opportunity. So I do wonder if like, they just said, we can't wait on that knee, Tyler, and you know, good luck elsewhere. So I don't know. Yeah.
1: Cause he wasn't expected back until like May or June of next year anyway. Yeah. So
2: at least on the major league roster. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what the, what the rotation looks like next year. Um, cause that leaves. Yeah, anyone, what? Yeah. What's gray, the depth chart look like? Uh, well, I mean, we have gray Freeland Marquez, Peter Lambert yeah. is still there. Chi Chi
0: Hoffman, um, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And
2: then Hoffman sends a Rico
1: sends a I
0: mean, there's people you could put in it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know.
2: Like here's what my hope is. My hope is that they're clearing all these roster spots. Like part of the way reason they had to do is because, you know, you've got to get Rogers gray and, uh, yeah. Oberg off the 60 day DL, um, and onto the 40 man roster. Like I get that you need the 40 man roster space, but I like. I'm also hoping that it means that they're going to try and take some risks and like you know scouring, you know, because they got a lot of bullpen arms that they've got to, or a lot of innings in the bullpen that they've got to find arms for. And so I'm hoping what this means is that they're going to do some Rule Five drafting. They're going to, you know, see if they can pick up guys who are, you know, non-tendered or outrighted, like or whatever. Um, I don't want to look at Kyle Bearclaw's numbers because I mean he's who the Giants dropped to add Anderson, but there was a time where, you know, Bearclaw was one of, one of the best relievers in the, uh, in the national league for the Marlins. And so, I don't know. I'm hoping that this is a signal that the Rockies are going to try and go out and, and find these players to fill these roles on the roster. But, uh, but I'm not holding my breath.
0: <laughs> so the way these waivers work, right. Is that the team at the worst, is it still the team with the worst record picks first? Is that how it think goes? it's the
2: team with the worst record in your own league i think or no it's the team with the worst record in the opposite league because i remember when uh when daniel murphy went on a waiver trade from the nationals to the cubs um everyone in the american league had to pass on him and then the rockies were one of the teams that you know were ahead of the cubs and could have picked him but yeah it's in order of record and i'm but, yeah, Sage would be one who would be able to tell us if that is still the procedure in the offseason.
0: So the Tigers are worst in the AL. So then I guess it was the Orioles. I mean, Vileka got snatched up pretty quick then.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I mean, he got snatched up by the Orioles, so.
1: <laughs> I mean, that'll give him a chance to play and maybe figure out some of the stuff that, you know, he's lost over the last couple of years. Yeah. So it's not what he said for that.
2: I don't know I just I feel bad for anyone who is compelled to go to uh, go to Baltimore at this stage because that that looks like it's going to be a long dark rebuild.
1: So beyond, uh, all the stuff that happened yesterday and moving forward, last time on affected by altitude, we talked about, uh, Ben found this article or had this conversation about, uh, leadership in the clubhouse and we kind of started on it and we're going to talk, uh, wanted to continue that. So Ben, can you remind us, uh, what exactly you read or discussed or whatever?
0: Yeah. So where we left off was, um, before the media briefing from Jeff Breitage, Bud Black, Dick Monfort, uh an email was sent out to Rockies fans from Breitage and Monfort, I believe it was just those two. And um just Bridage was saying interesting things that made it seem like this might be kind of on the players for the reason that the team was not successful in 2019. And my just kind of knee-jerk reaction was to post on Twitter, I don't blame Nolan one bit if he opts out. Um, And Nick Tremoroli on Twitter responded to me and said that, Nolan is actually maybe one of the reasons that the clubhouse wasn't doing so hot in 2019. And I immediately thought that, that maybe he's trolling. I wasn't sure. So I decided to ask him. And um, he made a compelling case that actually convinced me of not that Nolan is a problem, but that he's not what the Rockies necessarily need in terms of the veteran clubhouse presence because I mean obviously I don't want to get rid of Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado is really like the crux of the team but when he is going bad he visibly shows it a lot like he'll I, I went to the Cincinnati series uh, this summer and that was a time when he was in a little bit of a slump and he you could hear him smashing his bat on the rack after he grounded out from I was pretty far away and um, so if, if there's no cargo and there's no para, there's no kind of looseness in there. Nolan kind of is put in the position of being a leader of the team. And if the adage goes as Nolan goes, so does the team, then that's a problem because Nolan, obviously you see when he hits a walk-off or someone hits to walk off, he's really hype. He's really excited. He's in a really great mood, but then when he's not doing well, he's not in a very good mood at all. And since the team is looking to him as a sort of a leader, the team is probably not going to react in a positive way when they see their leader, you know, upset about his own performance. So how would you, does, I'll open it up to you guys now to respond to that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely tricky because like leadership is such, um, is so difficult. And I think especially for some like superstars, like not in any sport or any kind of anything, um, you get really kind of caught up in your own performance. Whereas other times, you know, being a good leader, you might not be necessarily the best at your sport. I mean, we talk about Gerardo Parra a lot as an emotional leader in the clubhouse, you know, Parra wasn't necessarily, you know, hitting it out of the, like hitting it out of the park all the time pun intended or not, but you know, he was always, you know, making it a learning moment and making it You know, okay, I ground it out here. Hey, young kids, here's kind of what happened. Here's how I'm going to react to it. I'm going to brush it aside and move on. Whereas, you know, if everybody's walking on eggshells around Nolan when he's in a slump, then that's definitely going to affect everybody.
0: I mean, I love to see it because, like, I'm glad that you can visibly see Nolan cares, but it might not be the best thing for when you talk about his teammates in the clubhouse. Yeah,
2: so, like, I'm I'm kind of of two minds here because – Because I'm looking at the Nationals, and one of the things that they talked about a lot is just how they had a lot of fun. And, like, they were really for each other. And um, that was part of what kind of carried them through after they were 19 and 31. Um, Side note, I'm just going to throw a little note in here. Last night, uh, Nick Groke tweeted after after the Nationals clinched that the Rockies were or thought they were the Nationals, like, after their... Uh, bad start and
1: mm, I saw that you
2: know, the nationals ended up winning the world series and the Rockies lost 91 games. And uh, the difference was the starting pitching. And it's just like, it, it hit a little too close to home. I just wanted to throw that out there um, while I'm bringing up the nationals. But, but my point is, you know, it's, it's a chicken egg situation when you talk about clubhouse culture, because, um, Cause you can ask like, it does a fun, cohesive clubhouse breed winning or does we, winning breed a fun, cohesive clubhouse? Right. Um, so, so yes, like you need it. There seems to be a consensus that, that clubhouses need that kind of guy who can keep everyone loose when things are going crappy or, uh, keep everyone, or if nothing else, keep everyone focused on, well, let's do do what we can tomorrow. Like, you know, keep, you know, keep moving forward kind of a situation. Um, but the nationals also just started winning. Right. And winning's fun. Um, uh, and I feel like if, if Nolan is going bad and he shows it and he cares, if that rubs off in his teammates in such a way that it like kind of brings them down or, you know, however, Nick, uh, Nick was saying it, um, I feel like it wouldn't necessarily matter if the Rockies were winning. I think about last August when Nolan had one of his worst months of his career, um, but the Rockies were winning through it, and so it ended up not really mattering that like it mattered, but it didn't really matter that that he wasn't doing well. So, so I don't know. Like I I, I see merits to the argument, but I'm I'm just not fully convinced. I don't think because I think the question of Like, how does leadership work in a clubhouse? Like, I think baseball is such a it's such an individual sport masquerading as a team sport uh, that um, you really do need to be focused on doing going out and doing your own job every day. But uh, but there's this weird interplay between between players that you have to keep in mind as well.
0: And I want to clarify that I'm. I'm like interpret interpreting my, this is like my interpretation of what Nick was saying. It's not like his direct words or this is what he thinks. This is just like my response. So I don't want to like make it seem like I'm saying what sure, his thoughts sure, are. Yeah, this yeah, is just how I'm interpreting uh, what he was saying. Appreciate you doing that. Okay. Um,
2: so, yeah. I, so I don't know. Like, hmm. I, I think that there's, there's something to having a guy who is just so focused on being the absolute best that he can be like Nolan is like you're, Max Scherzer's, like your Clayton Kershaw's. Uh, I think that kind of thing is really needed in a clubhouse as well. And so, you know, if Nolan's a de facto leader, like, you know, there's a lot of leading by example, like Todd Helton was a lot of that way too. Like, you know, people talked about Todd Helton all the time. He was not a rah, rah, rah kind of guy. He was a, like, he's, he was someone who was willing to take guys under his, under his wing and, and teach them and coach them and help them out. But he wasn't the one who's going to go seek those guys out necessarily. So I don't know. Like, I, I don't know where the balance is.
1: Yeah. I Like I said, I just feel like if, you know, if you're walking on eggshells every time Nolan's going through a slump and it sounds like it kind of was that way at times this year, then that, I mean, again, you know, winning breeds, fun, fun breeds, winning, whatever. But I feel like if, yeah, if you're walking on eggshells, you're more, you're not focused on what you need to do. And I think there needs to be a balance between expressing the emotion that you're frustrated that you're not doing really well, and also like not overdoing it to, to the point where where it's yeah. affecting the team. And so, of the team.
2: just so. what I think is that if if you have enough guys who are succeeding at their job while that superstar isn't, um, then it's less likely to bring down the team. But when you have a when you have a season that's spiraling like the Rockies were come July um and no one's doing their job really well and they're winning six games in the month uh then yeah people are really really gonna start walking around eggshell on eggshells around nolan because because everyone's miserable you know um but again last august um i can't imagine nolan was any more fun to be around when he was going through that slump because he was also kind of hurt too and you know as much of a competitor as he is like i'm sure that's frustrating so uh, so yeah, I I think my my interpretation of it is it's, it's plausible, but the solution isn't uh, isn't this side or the other thing. The solution is you need other people to kind of balance that out and who can take that take that lead, take those reins to kind of loosen those people up so they don't have to walk around eggshells on Nolan. So if they are walking around eggshells on Nolan, you know they're not looking over their shoulder when your Harado Para types come on and, you know, slap them on the head with a baby shark uh, stuffed animal or whatever. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I will say I was really impressed. I mean, after, you know, the loss of Cargo and Harado Para, it was really kind of, you look around the clubhouse and you're like, oh, who's next? Who's that fun clubhouse guy? I got to give kudos to Ryan McMahon real quick. Because um, he was kind of that guy. He wasn't necessarily rah, 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 like... Gerardo Para, he was still very intense, but he always had a smile on his face. He was always, you know, seeking out his locker was next to Tapia, and he did a really good job of trying to kind of bridge that gap between the Latino players and the non-Latino players that was kind of filled by um, Para and Cargo. So I, I, think, um, I think McMahon is a really good kind of balance between the really intense and really focused, but still enjoying what he's doing every day and is just you know happy to be there and happy to be playing baseball so
2: yeah and maybe as he's getting into an everyday role because last year was his first year on the roster full-time like maybe as he gets more used to that like he can be that he can be that guy who can balance nolan out
0: and i'm sure there is some component to signing daniel murphy because he was a veteran and i'm I'm having a hard time figuring him out like exactly what his, uh, what his um, impact on the clubhouse is because, I mean, we see, I think he, he seems very studious about hitting and then we obviously see him being, you know, goofing around on the field, diving into home plate. And I mean, in that respect, I'm sure he does keep the clubhouse loose as well. I don't know. I have a hard time figuring out Daniel Murphy though. I,
2: I didn't, I did Murphy's ranking the Rockies and I didn't find a way to put in like, how much of a goof ass he is like and how much i appreciate that like uh it's not something that you see in a lot of players like he just i mean part of it is because you know he's you know in his he's on the wrong side of 30 for a baseball player and he's starting to look a little out of shape and so he lumbers around a little bit and uh so he just looks funny out there like um i don't know but there was a story at some point i think uh where he he was trying to you know respond in a to a tense situation in a goofy way on the field or in the dugout or whatever and it was not received well so like i don't know if the the inter, the interplay of a major league clubhouse is just uh it's a mystery man
1: yeah i think it was that what was it 19 to 3 or whatever blowout to the giants um and it was in the later innings, and I, I remember that because he he yeah he did something goofy, and I think David Dahl said something to him, and that's when everybody kind of started paying attention, going, man, these guys need to loosen up. Like, I mean, Mark Reynolds is pitching the ninth inning, like, and he even was smiling on the mounds. Can we can we just relax for a second? <laughs> <laughs> so that that was kind of when it was, I think, blown up that the Rockies might have a, a fun problem.
2: And again i just go back to saying like you know what's really not fun losing (laughs) like uh and but you know the counterpoint to that is like if you lose like you're gonna lose a lot in baseball like uh you know every playoff team won or lost at least uh 60 games right and so you're gonna lose uh well no sorry a couple of those lost a little bit less than 60 i guess you get you get my point everyone loses a lot in baseball so it's it's a matter of like how do you break the cycle of tension, or even
1: just kind of make the best of a bad situation. You know, I mean, the Nationals were nineteen and thirty one at the end of May, and then all of a sudden they kind of uh, you know signed Gerardo Parra and a couple other guys and kind of made the best of it, and then went on that tear. So
2: well, and people start you know, I feel like it, you know everything that you read about the Nationals is going to gloss over the fact that like. You know, they found some stability in their bullpen that was terrible uh, or at least relative stability in their bullpen. Uh, They, you know, they started getting better performances from their offense and the starting pitching was going longer and, you know, and all these like things kind of came together. Like that was fundamentally a good team from jump that just got a terrible, terrible, terrible start. Uh, So whereas the Rockies were a team that was like probably a uh, good to pretty good team that Needed a lot of things to break right for them to make the playoffs, and when things started going wrong, like yeah, you know, their margin of error was just really thin. So, uh, baseball's a baseball's a tough game. It's a tough game. And now we've got what is it, 127 days to opening day? To I think it was a,
1: it? wasn't it like 122 to start of spring training and 147 to opening day? I think. I feel like I read that somewhere.
2: That sounds closer to right. Yeah, it's like a hundred something. 107 or something like that to pitchers and catchers reporting so but uh but but we're gonna be here of we're course. gonna be talking about it no matter what right so
1: alrighty. and with that um we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we will do an episode of fire up the fountains which we haven't done in a while so we'll get started with that talking some off-season predictions we'll be right back
2: Fire up the
0: fountains.
1: All righty. And we are back and we are now going to transition to fire up the fountains, which we haven't done in a while. So gentlemen, I'm going to remind you of the rules. So I will say something. I will give you a statement. And then if you agree with it, you say fire up the fountains and explain your thoughts. And if you disagree, then you just simply say nah and explain your thoughts. And if I have anything to say at the end of each segment, then I will add to it. Um, but that's pretty much how it's going to work. Any questions?
0: I think we're, I think we're ready to go.
1: (laughs) All right. (laughs) Fire up the fountains or nah, the Rockies will trade Charlie Blackman. Adam, we'll start with you.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm going to go, this is asking factual whether they will or will, will not. I'm going to say nah. I think the Rockies have, um, plenty wrapped up in um in chuck and so they they don't they don't want to lose him like they and more to the point the uh the outfield isn't necessarily a strength at this point since Raymond tapia looks kind of like a fourth outfielder uh it's unclear what we're really going to get out of sam hilliard uh So if they're going to make deals, they need to deal from strength. And I don't think that's a strength for them. I think they need Charlie Blackman if they want to compete in 2020 and 2021. So I'm going to say nah.
0: I'm going to echo exactly what you said. I don't think they should, and I don't think they will either. Um, I think they, yeah, it's a position of strength. Um, I mean, not, not a position of strength, the outfield. And I think they need to keep Blackman there because he is one of the Rockies' best hitters. I'm a little bit probably... I think Sam Hilliard's going to be good, but uh, we'll see.
2: I, I want yeah. Sam Hilliard to be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the Rockies will hold on to Chuck mostly because, you know, he's one of the family, one of the kids, and I don't think they're willing to part with that. So,
2: and my son sees Charlie Blackman's uh, picture next to the Pepsi plant over in Rhino whenever we go over there. And, uh, he'd be really sad if you didn't see him over.
1: There. Yeah. So would Charlie Blackman kid. So, but yeah. I, <laughs> anyway, uh, next up we have the Rockies will move on from one of their super bullpen pitchers. Ben.
0: Hmm. See, this is, I don't know. This is where I think they should, but I don't know if they will. Um, I'm I'm going to say, nah, I don't think they will. And it's mostly because of the moves that were made, uh, the other day. Um, I thought there was a a lot, a much easier opportunity for Davis or McGee, McGee, especially is who I thought they would be moving on from or Shaw. Um, but now that Sam Howard has been claimed off waivers, there's another or left with another kind of gap, uh, what could be a lefty. So Jake McGee, I think might be sticking around because of that. Um, I think, I think they should be looking to trade Davis and McGee at least. I think, I think there's something about Shaw that might still be valuable to have at least as a veteran presence around. But um, I think they should be looking to see what they can get for Davis and McGee. But I don't think, I don't think there will ultimately be a move made. Um, Adam,
1: what do you think?
2: I, I'm going to cheat and fire up the fountains on this one because. He's not technically part of the Super Bowl pen, but they've already moved on from Mike Dunn. Um, granted, he was signed a year earlier, and so his contract's already up. Um, so, so that's completely me che- cheating and saying that uh, they already have. So they, so yes, they will move on. Uh, otherwise, I, I think Ben's right. I think that they should be looking for it. Um, but I think, I think the hardest thing, I think. It should be Davis that they're trying to move on from uh, because you know he seems to be a guy who just can't do it in quarters for whatever reason. Um, but the problem is that the Rockies have no leverage <laughs> because anyone who would want or be interested in upgrading their bullpen by getting someone like Wade Davis is going to uh, know that. And so the Rockies aren't likely to get a really good deal or the deal that they should get um, unless they you know literally pay him to go Uh, pitch for another team and he'd probably do well and uh you know maybe we get a good prospect out of the deal but uh yeah i I, that's a cheating firing up the balance
0: i have a rockies magazine from the very beginning like before the 2017 season began and it's i don't know what the phrase exactly is used but it's something like feel the heat. I don't know something about it. And this is a picture of Greg Holland, Mike Dunn, and I think Jake McGee's on there and just, I don't know. It's kind of sad to look at it now
2: <laughs> for all kinds uh, of reasons.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they were to trade Davis, may, I mean, maybe they could ship him off to the Astros, you know, and get the Astros to play for, pay for the majority of the contract like they did with Zach Greinke and the Diamondbacks. But, um, that would probably be about the only option. <laughs> So, yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to nah. Should they? Yes. Will they? Nah. Um, next up, we have the Rockies will acquire a starting pitcher, either via trade or free agency. Adam?
2: Um, I'm going to fire up the fountains just because uh, of the transactions that they made. Uh, not having Bettis or Anderson around uh, puts them kind of in a precarious position if they are intent on competing in 2020, um, I don't think a five man rotation that relies on two of Lambert, Hoffman, Sensatella or Chichi or Melville or, or Or Rico. Rico. Like, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a playoff team. And I think that the Rockies are smart enough to realize at least that, um, I'm more inclined to think it'll happen via trade, but, uh, but I could also see them going in and scooping up someone that they probably shouldn't <laughs> because he's a veteran and veterany, veteranness, that veterans all over the veteriness. Uh, but I- I'm hoping for a trade.
0: So there's the whole fixing the Rockies fan post that Eric dwindled down to, is it 10, 12? I don't know how many, maybe less than that, Um, but it actually got me really excited about what we could see from Tyler Anderson and Chad Bettis, Um, the whole uh, conversation about developing splitters, and I was really excited about what they could potentially bring to the rotation in that situation now we will not get to find out and i'm not i'm with you adam that i don't think that this is a playoff rotation that we're looking at right now and i don't know the big names on the market obviously garrett cole strasburg if he opts out of his deal and the rockies aren't going to go after them anyway probably so I don't know if there's a whole lot of big time upgrades. Out there. Tanner Roark might be in their price range. I don't know if that's going to make their rotation better. Um, so it's I th- I'm sure the Rockies are going to try to bring in somebody on like a minor league deal or a creative trade. I'm sure if if that counts as trying to upgrade the rotation, then yes, I think the they will do it. But I don't know if it's if the options are going to be there in their price range that the move will be made that will actually make the rotation better.
1: Yeah, I think they'll do something, and it sounds like if they if they're going to do anything, it'll be th- be via creative trade. Um, so I guess we'll kind of see what they piece together. But yeah, I'm going to fire up the fountains and say I think they'll get somebody. It's just a matter of who they're going to get and how it's going to work. So next up we have the Rockies will make a coaching change Ben what do you think
0: I don't think they will um yeah I don't know Steve Foster would probably be the most um compelling target to be replaced but I don't think he's going to be I think they're probably going to keep what they've got um interesting hitting philosophies in the 2019 season that came over and I don't know. I think, I think we'll see the same thing.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I feel like if they would have made a change, they might've made it by now. Um, yeah, Sam, what you shared about, um, uh, Magadan, I've, I can never pronounce it correctly. Um, Magadan, Magadan, uh, what you shared about his kind of philosophy with the Diamondbacks, um, and how it seems like he's kind of carrying that over here it makes me concerned. It makes me think, you know, at, at some point, someone's got to like, something's got to change. And because uh, this, uh this offense just doesn't, doesn't look good. And it seems like they're really falling behind, especially the, uh, call it the launch angle revolution, call it the juice ball revolution, like whatever you want to call it. Like they just feel like, they, it just feels like they're falling behind. Um, and I'd like to see that change, but. Um, I, I don't think that they will ultimately make a coaching change. Cause I think they probably would have all oh, by now. So.
0: I think we might see a couple well, new bullpen well, catchers yeah.
1: anyway. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I anyway. agree. Nah, I think a, they would have done it by now and B I think this year they're just kind of washing their hands of it and they're going to kind of keep everybody together and say, we had the same team as last year. We should be better. Kind of like they did this year. Um, So maybe after next season, if it doesn't work, then we could see a change, but I think they're going to keep everybody together and hope it works. And then our final question for this Fire of the Fountain session is the Rockies will make changes in the front office. Adam, what do you think?
2: Is there a less than than not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think... I honestly don't think that this team has hit, it has gotten close enough to rock bottom for them to make that kind of reevaluation. Uh, I think if they win 90 games or lose 90 games again next year, uh, it'll either be Bradage or it'll be uh, people around him or they will bring in someone uh, as, as a president of baseball ops kind of situation. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, if, if they have a, you know, middling year where it's just like, you know, they win 80 plus games and, you know, are just outside the playoffs. Like I would be as a fan, like I'd be okay with that in the moment, but it might also be a, at that point, it might be a signal that, well, maybe our window's closing. Um, and maybe it'll say to, won't say enough to the front office, but if they lose it, if they fall flat on their faces again this year, like, I think that's when we'll start seeing the changes being made. Then Ben?
0: Well, I have not fired up a single fountain um, <laughs> and I'm not going to now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't it's think, I was bounce. having a good, I was having a really good day before we had this segment. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I
1: <laughs> Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, mean, I just, can't, I can't help but agree with what you said, Adam. It's just, I don't. I think you hit the nail on the head with saying that they need to. I don't even know if hitting rock bottom would help <laughs> this situation in the front office. That is all I will say on the subject. I don't think there'll be a move made there either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like what I said with the coaches, you know, they're I think they're going to keep everybody together and if it blows up in their face again, then maybe we'll see some lower level changes, but, um, I think at this point, 2019 was a wash, and they're gonna try again next year and see what happens.
2: Okay, well, let's try and do something that's uh, a little bit more fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, the at, at Purple Row will win the 2020 Rockies Twitter tournament. <laughs> fire up the fountains or not? Nah.
1: I'll fire up the fountains. Why not?
0: I'll fire Cause up the fountains.
1: Yeah, because Renee and Ben and everybody else who runs that account, you guys do a great job.
0: Thanks. So. No, I mean, I'm going to say I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm on there this year and I wasn't last year. So I'm going to I'm going to pull out all the stops to make sure make sure this is a successful run and reclaim the title.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. I really hope BK is still listening and didn't uh, shut off at this point because now now there's going to be an extra layer of guilt on him to make sure that he makes it happen.
0: Did, OK, did Jesse Specter win last year? Is that who won? Or was it not? I think that
2: was the year
1: before.
0: Okay, I don't know. I think I was. I took my Twitter hiatus this year. Who won this year?
1: Didn't I think? Didn't Drew win this year? Drew Creisman.
0: I remember I mean, there was controversy regarding Jake, but we won't go into. Yeah, that. it might have been like Drew versus
1: think. Jake or something. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Oh yeah, well,
2: I uh, I've never made it out of the first round.
1: Um, I wasn't even so. in it last year, so.
2: Well, I mean, I'm not really ever going to make it out of the first. Like, I'm one of those, like, mid-majors who always gets thrown in there because it's like, well, he's an editor at Perforo. Oh, he might as well be in there. But, uh, Ben, what's my rule number one on Twitter?
0: Don't tweet. Don't
2: tweet. So, I, uh, I'm, my feelings are not hurt when I get bounced. But <laughs> I am, I also don't get to experience the joy of victory. I don't
0: think yeah, you- Rocky Rage one one seven is allowed to win because he does not show his face on Twitter. So I don't think he will be allowed. (laughs) Anyway, I guess maybe that didn't land for everyone. I guess if you know who he is, you'll find it funny anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So.
1: All righty. Well, on that note, that concludes this segment of fire up the fountains. So thanks Adam and Ben for a wonderful game. And we will wrap up real quick with some off-season, uh, with the off-season calendar.
0: Uh, October 31st has come and passed. That is the day that players have filed for free agency, and many of them did. Uh, we saw Chad Bettis, Yonder Alonso, Drew Butera become free agents for the Rockies. Um, November 3, the Gold Glove Wars Awards will be announced. And Trevor Story is a finalist at shortstop. Nolan Arnato is a finalist at third base. Once again, finally, Trevor Story is. I believe they should both win um, because I don't know. I saw at least one defensive metric says they were in the best of their position, so I think that's enough to say they should win. Uh, what do you think, Sam?
1: I mean, I'd like to think so, but we'll kind of see if somehow Coors Field bias snakes in and Uh, You know, if Ahmed goes back to back or, you know, I could go on about how Chase Field should be just as biased, as course, but that's, you know, different matter. So I'd like to see Story win, but we'll see what happens. I'm not getting my hopes up Um, quite yet.
0: (laughs) We've already seen a number of options, either exercise or decline. The Rockies don't have any anything to worry about there but the deadline for the options is november 4 and also the qualifying offers to extend rockies also don't have any any sort of situation with that Uh, also on november 4th the baseball writers association of america awards finalists will be announced and so rookie of the year manager of the year Cy young mvp don't think we'll be seeing much of the rockies there either uh november 7th the silver slugger awards we could potentially see something going on there i think Arenado certainly, probably, I don't think he'll win because Anthony Rendon probably is going to take home that. But, uh, you know, he's probably he's going to be in the top at third base for sure the, among the finalists. You might see Trevor Story in there at shortstop too. Maybe Charlie Blackman somewhere, I don't know. Um, though it will be hard. There's some pretty good Cunha, Yellich, Bellinger. Yeah, it might be hard to get in the outfield. Oh, well. November 11th through the 14th is the GM meetings. Those will be fun. Lots of budding going around there. November 11th. Oh, these are these are thanks to overthemonster.com by the way for putting together this list. I'm just reading down that this. I was okay. November 14th is the deadline to accept or decline the qualifying offer. November 19th through 21 are the owners' meetings. November 20 is the Rule 5 protection deadline. We talked about that a little earlier. Adam suggested that hopefully the Rockies will be looking to make some uh, moves once the Rule 5 draft comes into play. December two is the non-tender deadline. Um, certainly, could be some moves there made for the Rockies. We talked about Anderson and Bettis earlier as non-tender candidates. Of course, they've been wa- they've been claimed off waivers now, so that's not necessarily uh, so. That's not going to factor for them. December nine through twelve are the winter meetings. Those will be fun. Rule five draft takes place on December 12th. Then we have our wonderful arbitration exchanges on January 10th. We'll see if there will be any hearings necessary for the Rockies. Maybe there will be. Um, Last year, there wasn't any hearings for the Rockies, right?
1: I thought thought Trevor Story went to a hearing. Or he almost did, but then they got it sorted out, I think, is what happened. Yeah, he almost did, but it got sorted out. I think that was it, though.
0: Yeah, so we'll see. He's due for another sizable raise, so we'll see what happens uh, this time around.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this year's winter meetings are in San Diego, sunny, wonderful San Diego. And I'm super sad that I probably won't be able to go. Um, so they were in Vegas last year, which was also close to Phoenix. But Anyway, January, yeah. No, yeah. All right, I was just going to say, um, Eric Garcia McKinley and I will be doing a podcast, a Pebble Report podcast at some point about uh, the Rule 5 guys and kind of what we think is going to happen. So stay tuned for that.
0: January 21 is the Hall of Fame results being announced, and that actually has a pretty, it's going to be pretty um, important for Rockies fans. Larry Walker could fall off the ballot if he is not voted in. Todd Helton will be there again as well, both of whom should be in the Hall of Fame. But we will see what happens there. We've got we to rock the vote for Larry Walker. February 3 arbitration hearings if necessary for the Rockies. And February 10 through 12, pitchers and catchers report. And then we will be ready to go through the pain all over again.
1: Definition Sam? of in- definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? So
0: I think I think that's yeah. Yeah. You Something
1: like that. <laughs> Baseball's so much fun though. It really really is. So I think that'll do it for this episode of Affected by Altitude. Thanks, Ben, for another wonderful podcast. And thanks, Adam, for joining us. And we'll keep you posted throughout the off season. See you next time.